On the north side of Chicago It's the coolest bar in town And if you go up there You better just beware You're gonna find a bunch of clowns It's a mad, mad, crazy bar The whole damn place is just so bizarre Full of all the vice and sin Where do we even begin? Tip your bartenders. I know. Bruce is your name. Crime is your game. Pussy, Pussy is my your fame. fame. By appointment only. Which part? The appointment only is on my card. I know. Dildo but, head. But which part? What do, those, mean, what do you mean, which part? Of those three things is by appointment only. Appointment only is for the entire uh, package. Silly. <laughs> do you remember that day I went to your house all the way in Hyde Park to help you do shit that you should be able to do on your by, on your own now? And then I rang the doorbell, and you were playing games with me with, on the doorbell intercom? No, I wasn't playing games. And if you recall, you, you, kept, you, you, you hid in the doorway. So I'm looking out the window to see what asshole is reading my, ringing my doorbell, and I couldn't see anyone. So I'm not pressing you to get, come in unless I know who the hell they. Yeah, but when that happens, do you reply to everyone on the intercom and say, "Poopoo head"? Um, sometimes you go, "Who's calling, please?" <laughs> I don't know. I don't know if I know who you are. That's how I respond sometimes. And then sometimes, yeah, and I'm yelling. And going, then sometimes I'm mean. I'm yelling at the intercom, going, "It's pub crawl, Liz. Let me in." And all I hear is, "Poo poo head." Yeah, except that there's something wrong with the intercom. <laughs> yeah, it's you. It's not clear. No, it's not clear. Mm-hmm. It's hard to hear. Anyway. All right. Uh, this is pub crawl, Liz. And this is the geriatric genius, aka Bruce Elliott. And here is our second edition of As the Ale House Turns. Well. We've only done one. What do you mean, well? That's number two. Well, I know, but I think that the first one was kind of a dry run. No. People are going to have already listened to the first one. That was just a test, but people are going to listen to the first one. So now we have a good framework, and we're going to move forward. Do you pay attention to nothing I tell you? Of my reasoning, I gave you a whole thought process. Uh, I got this. Okay, so there's a lot of ta- lot to talk about this week, but well, there always I, is. But I would like to actually um, start this week's show with some history, as I'm a historian, and this is what I, is important to me. We talked a little and bit. And by of, the way, I st- I graduated Phi Beta Kappa from the University of California in history. No. Yes. Ronald Reagan even wrote me a letter congratulating me. And when I sent it to my mother, she pretty much forgave me for every horrible thing I'd ever done as a child. I, I, somehow I don't believe this. Oh, yeah. She framed it. My poor aunts, every time they came to the house, they had to uh, endure listening to my mo- mother describe the turnaround that I had made. Of course, then I went to jail shortly afterwards, so that kind of put it... <laughs> That kind of put a damper on it. But for a brief moment, my mother was very proud of me. For a hot second. Yeah. That's all right. You'll take it. So, I mean, we're both historians. I mean, it's, it's you and I were meant to be. Oh, I don't think there's any doubt about that. And I can just tell by the way you look at me, and I pointed out last week, that you really are a closet straight. 
by the way I look at you. Yeah. Yeah. We're gonna. That's gonna be something we have to touch on <clears throat> in well, future no, episodes. No touching right now. No, Jesus. no touching a, right now. Such a look, clown. Look, but don't touch. <laughs> This is Ruth is sitting right next to exactly, me. Exactly, and she'll scratch her eyes out. I already said she doesn't let Jillian come over. Jillian with the cute tits. Um, yeah, she has something to do with the, the mamas and the papas and. Jillian. Oh yeah, she's like babysitting for Bijou uh, Phillips. Phillips. Yeah, Bijou was in here. In fact, Bijou was in here about what two, three, maybe two, three weeks ago. She brought Bijou and the. And the husband is all the shit. Uh, they were in here. And um, Bija was cool. I, I knew I recognized her. But she was quite... I, I liked her. Even though I guess she's a Scientologist. But going back to... Okay, so that's that's pretty neat. But my point is, is that <clears throat> Rock and Roll Ruth refuses to let this woman come over to your house well, to help Jillian you with Jillian has very graciously offered to come over. She wants, she thinks I can teach her how to write, which of course is ridiculous. But she um, says that she will help me organize. Now, that would be fantastic because I'm probably the most disorganized person in the world. No. I, my, my, well, you, <laughs> you've kind of seen that. Observe that. But I'm just talking about just my desk. It would be so great if I knew where just stuff was. Just your desk. Was. Everything. Your car, your desk. Yeah. Your... My life. <laughs> well, I was going to try to be kind. Yeah. You don't need to be kind with me. By the way, are we supposed to be using... Um, are we supposed to be giving real people fake names? Um, I think on a podcast... I don't know. I, You know, that didn't... I don't know. Let's. We won't worry about that. <laughs> All right, well, Jillian then. Yeah, Jillian. Jillian with the cute tits. Uh, so she's barred from ever coming to your house. Well, I wouldn't say that. I would say with proper chaperoning and stuff. But, <laughs> All I right. mean, I, I would like, I hate to be that draconian. Such a lady killer you are. All yeah. right, so back to the history part. Um, you walk into the Ale House, and obviously you're surrounded by a lot of uh, historic uh, items, not only that, stories and, and your artwork, which is now a little bit of history, but I uh, keep thinking about the fact that this bar exists as it does today because of one real genius, and that's not you. That well, would be that would be Toby. Well, no, actually, I mean, we went last time into the history um, about E.J. Van Gelder, who invented the bar. Yeah. Built, had it built, and he copied from a bar in San Francisco called Beloy's back in 1958. And he also, he was a horrible human being on every level, but he knew how to build bars and he knew how to hire bartenders. And he could leave, he could leave town for six months every year and go to Mexico and come back and everything would be perfect. Actually, bad things would happen when he'd come back because he'd start throwing people out. He was anti-gay. And in San Francisco. Well, no, no, no. This was, a, I mean. Oh, here. Yeah, here. Yeah, yeah, okay. No, but he. But yeah, still I mean, here in the fifties and sixties. Well, plus he, plus his best bartender was gay. I mean, he was just a flaming asshole. But he he put the bar together, and. Um, but then yes, as far as the transformation of the bar, I mean Arthur Klug was the personality of the bar for many years, when it, when it was when it moved across the street to. Uh, where we're at now, 
and Arthur was the personality, and his ex-wife Beatrice was the businesswoman. I mean, Arthur was probably even a worse business. No, I wouldn't say worse than I am, but he was certainly not good. So again, thank you to the uh, women in your lives. Oh, I thought every day from mommy on, from my, from my grandmother to grandmothers to my mama, to all my girlfriends and, and ex-wives. Um, I Not get that, that they exactly I, I always that. babied me. Well, that's up for a debate, I think. Oh, I think it's else, any how would you have turned out like this? Uh, well, I mean, genes, as Donald Trump would say, amazing genes. So, uh, Toby, Toby, B, yes, who really is the operations well, mastermind behind this whole, this yes, whole bar. Yes, and, and she is, she's, she is a true businesswoman, but very multi-skilled. I'm, um, when I first met her, she graduated from, she was 21, she had just graduated from college, I was 36, I just got out of jail, so what could possibly go wrong in that relationship? Um... But she had um, studied, she had a degree in special ed, and she decided to try to get a job in Chicago in special ed. And um, the kids, she they stuck her over at the, the projects, the green green projects. And her first first day or second day subbing, um, she was attacked. Some girl kicked her in the shins. Jesse White, Secretary of State, was a gym teacher at the time. He roamed the halls with a club, and he came in and saved her. So she decided she quit teaching and become a waitress. So she was um, a waitress for a couple of years, and that would have been about 1960, no, about 1977, 78, 78. And you guys were both already regulars drinking at the Ale House. Well, I was. She, she became one. She, Naturally, a war. I, I, I used to um, be friends with her, with her um, older sister, who now is a mortal enemy of mine. And um, that list gets longer and longer every so day. So when the when the sister arrived, oh no, the sister asked Toby when she first arrived. It was coldest day of the year. It was really cold, and this uh, her older sister. Um, who was who was pretty cute? She had great tits, but she had this big horse gut that kind of turned me off. Uh, she was going with a reporter, and um, so she asked me to keep an eye on, on her sister, who was just 21. She was going to keep an eye on her kids while she was gone to California or someplace like that. So I kept such a good eye on her sister that um, we were having sex by the time her big sister got back. And Big Sister did not like that. So that's kind of... A, so we had joined forces. Like, there was a big war started. And uh, so this war went on for quite a while. It's still going on, I was gonna really. say, the first of many. Yeah, but this one's still really continuing. It's a continuous war. So um, so she became a bartender, or, or a waitress... Yeah, pretty much awake, doing bar. Um, and then we went to, to, my brother needed somebody to babysit his house, or his wife's house, who she was, uh, had been a dancer with the Paul Taylor Dance Company. She was British. And he, um, he want, my brother one asked if I babysit his house for a year, because they were going back to London. 
So we were living in Soho. Um, and she, she was going to go to uh, become a chef. Great cook. That was the first thing that caught my mind when I first met her, was she was such a great cook. And um, so she never got to cooking school because she immediately went to work for a restaurant and they just threw her into, into a line cook right away. A, a very prominent French restaurant in New York. In fact, Bourdain said he tried to get a job there and they turned him down. Would have been right about the time she was working there, and um, so she she became a chef and she became very good, but for some reason she quit cooking French. When she came back to Chicago, um, she was a chef for maybe another two or three years, and then she quit, and she went back into education. Hmm. So that and. Um, but when she was young, she worked. I mean, she's been working ever since she was a kid. She was a bumblebee waitress. She wore some bumblebee outfit when she was a kid. And, I don't know uh, what that is. I, I, I just some hillbilly southern thing. She grew up in she grew up in uh, Indiana, which is amazing. She ever got out of that. Well, of course now she's back there. But um, then she went to Virginia. She was an accident. I think her mother had her when she was forty-two. <laughs> Very, very. Big I am accident. always. Uh, I was before I got to know a little bit about Toby. I was always impressed and, um, I guess, surprised that whenever there was food in here, she had done all the cooking. She's an amazing cook. I mean, she, and the the thing is, if you watch her, she can pull anything out of the ice ice box and just throw it all together and make stuff. She really. I mean, she'll she will look at recipes sometimes, yeah. but she's just um, just talented, you know. But like, there's always like you know, I'm a brilliant writer artist. She's a brilliant cook. Um, it's a talent. She is. She is. And like I said, there's always. And occasionally I'll walk in and like, oh, do you want some sandwiches? Or, of course, during um, you know Super Bowl or uh, football Sundays or Thanksgiving or Christmas Day, there's always a big spread of food, and that's all because Toby sits there and makes it all. Yes. Uh, in fact, when I got out of jail, I had my jail muscles. I was very svelte and super, super sexy. And within a year, she, you know, put a big gut on me. And It's all her fault, Well, like everything else. Well, Let's blame I, somebody else. I, well, I mean, I'm certainly not going to take the rap myself. <laughs> um, but you guys offering food like that to your uh, customers and to your regulars... Is an incredibly historic sort of tavern-like thing to do, um, and you know during the 19th century, a lot of saloon owners would provide some food, and that continued on into the 20th century. And I feel like that's almost become like a very Chicago thing, or even maybe a Midwestern thing. Where on Sundays you have an obligation to have a meal with your family. And a lot of the people who would drink in bars didn't really have a family because this also is your bar family. So you have that obligation to feed them. And I always thought that was a really kind of special Midwestern thing, but the fact that you guys do it still in 2018, I think it's pretty special. Yeah, I'm not aware of any and I, and I, and I, that does it now. And I uh, thank Toby for that, and Toby only. Well, she only cooks. Well, she does cook when when you least expect it. Sometimes, if somebody's or if somebody's having a birthday, but she does on Thanksgiving and Christmas, especially because not, seriously, not New Year's Day because New Year's Day we have the uh, polar punch, bear, polar yeah. bears jump in the lake and they come flying in here about nine o'clock. But seriously, if Toby weren't here, 
no one would get fed. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> so, yeah. No, there would be no food. Um, well, but again, she also makes sure this bar is functional. Like, she, she's the business mind behind yeah, it. Yeah, she's the business. I'm the creative person. She's right. the business person. Although, it was her idea for you to start painting portraits. That's true, because we have a wall, a very historical wall that was painted right after the bar moved across the street by Maureen Munson, who was, um, she was a commercial artist, but she was, and she was pretty, pretty crazy. Um... Yeah, she ended up in the nut house, and we all lost track of her. Why, why do you have to ruin the story? Well, it's a good story. I mean, why she, can't we remember Maureen is a nice lady who liked to paint? I, she was. Nobody said. Now she I gotta was, say, she went into the nut house. I, I, I don't. Nobody said she was a nice lady. She was a talented commercial artist. Let's, let's, that's not let's, being a nice lady. Okay, this is how I picture it. Don't ruin it for me. Well, I'm going to ruin a lot of things for you. <laughs> that's apparently, just, that's if, so if true. That, if you, if you're, if you're that delicate. But so Maureen did painted the, only the regulars she liked, and mm. she and she painted them directly on painted them directly on the wall. It's got that great nicotine patina now. So if I went and licked it, you I would, would have I would get high in an you instant. You might you might die actually from some <laughs> nicotine poisoning, or uh, maybe some other stuff too. So then uh, Toby thought, well, you know what? Why don't you paint some of the red? Well, I couldn't paint on on Morton or. Um, Marine's wall, so I started painting and being having certain other skills, uh, like not having to have the pictures framed, being able to frame my pictures in old frames myself. Um, I was started putting up the regulars. And one thing, actually, that people probably don't know about your paintings, your portraits, for sure, your portraits. I don't know about the other ones, but I think the other ones too. Is that you actually paint on cardboard? Well, Toulouse Lautrec, and by the way, he didn't steal that idea from me because he died a hundred years before I was born. Because a lot of people think Lautrec copied me, but yes, I got um, I got the idea from Lautrec because at the Art Institute, there's a couple points that says oil on cardboard. So I tried it, and you get an effect similar to pastel. <laughs> And uh, so once I got that down, and then you could cut, I could cut the part cardboard to fit in old frames with glass. You know, I'd go around to flea markets and stuff and get the frames. And so I could immediately cut them. So I was easy framing. I mean, it was easy, you know, painting and then framing them. And then when somebody misbehaves or moves or finds a boyfriend, doesn't come anymore, we take them down and replace them with somebody else. I think this part, so this year is the 60th anniversary of the Ale House, and we're trying to plan, hopefully, maybe a few things here. I'm actually going to, ch- been chatting with Toby about doing some fun stuff, possibly. I think maybe the, one of the things we can do is maybe we should have the Genius host art classes. Huh. Just bring your own cardboard. Yeah, right. You'll, yeah, you should live so long. Why? Why wouldn't well, you do well, that? Well, because first, I would take a bunch of inferior artists and try to teach them how to, how, how to, how to paint, please. Why not? The grasshopper. I just saw Grasshopper luring his um, girlfriend up the stairs of his new apartment. Oh. Right above the bar. Scandalous. Scandalous. Yeah. I, back to the painting. Why wouldn't you teach people to paint? Because I don't want to. Why do I, we need more crummy artists? That's the 60th anniversary. This, this, is, this is your... 
this is part of what the bar is, being in Old Town and being part of this artist enclave and the Old Town Art Fair. This is your duty as a... I, I, I'm going to teach special, special needs people how to um, paint. Please. Come on. I got, I, I'm writing books, for God's sake. History's not going to forgive me if I don't get these goddamn things done. This is part of your delayed adolescence. Um, last well, week, last week we were recording and you started to slur yeah, because of your mycenae actually, actually, it's coming back though. I, my speech, I, I was slurring a few minutes ago, but I, my speech is getting better right now. And let's explain to people that it's because you're probably eating candy that you shouldn't no, be eating. No, it's because I have a life-threatening disease called autoimmune Triggered disease. Triggered by nasty... Chemicals. By, uh, no, by God only knows what. Yeah, I've watched you. The, ha, I've watched it go downhill when you eat a giant well, candy true. bar. That's true. That's true. Which I don't eat giant candy bars. I don't eat ice cream. I don't eat a bag of chocolate. Did you chip have cookies. any candy today? I had a tiny little lemon drop. Uh huh. You know why? So that I wouldn't be tempted. Yeah. Again, because what are you, six thinking, years old. Um. Delayed adolescence. I, I know plenty of old creeps that you know. They eat lemon drops? Yeah, they eat everything. Everything they're not supposed to. <laughs> I'm just saying, you they know... They smoke cigarettes. I don't smoke cigarettes. Well, you know what triggers it, so I don't understand why you just keep doing it. No. I, the, the reason I was slurring... Well, now, God damn it! now you have me doing it again. I'm, I'm, but, uh, yeah, see, what, I mean, this could be some mental... Let me explain this my... This is some mental shit. Let me explain my Asenia Gravis. Because most people don't know what the hell it is. It means extreme weakening of the muscles. You've seen people when their eyelids, but they can barely open their eyelids. What? No. Yeah, yeah. When their eye, you've seen people their eyelids. They some sometimes it gets so bad they have to tape their eyelids up. No. Because of, yes, because the, the. What kind of freakish world do you live in? Um. I've never seen this. Anyway, moving on. Okay. Is there another example you can? Okay. Yeah, well, Aristotle Onassis died from it, and he was the richest man in the world at the time. I mean, it's very serious, very serious. Gravis, some would say. It's a, yeah, it's very gravis, <laughs> and uh, so I'm afflicted with it. it. Just happened now. I I had a whole series of weird weird things. I caught Lyme's disease working on my um, arboretum out by, in the Indian Dunes. Just, this is where now where Toby lives. And I built this magnificent arboretum, but but I wasn't aware of um, deer ticks and all that crap. So, um, and when I got, I did develop a rash, but it wasn't circular. Not your first rash. No, it was not my first <laughs> yeah. rash, nor was it my last uh -huh, rash. Uh huh. But uh, so I didn't realize at first, but then um, fortunately, a friend had uh, Lyme's disease and. Asked me if my glands had swollen up. I said, "Yeah, I got limes." Doctor, doctor thought I had lymphoma. I mean, do doctors are dramatic. Yeah, well, go home and look look up lymphoma. And there's horrible lymphoma, beyond beyond hideous lymphoma, and end of the world awful lymphoma. Those are your options. And then, so he called me and says, "Oh no, you're okay." Well, no, I wasn't okay. I had fucking Lyme's disease. So, well, anyway, after thank God that I was able to self-diagnose, and so um, 
I had that taken care of, although you, you, always, you still come up positive when they test you. But, and then I wonder, I often wonder if I have any connection with my, my getting uh, myasthenia gravis. That was about four or five years ago. And all of a sudden, I c- could barely talk. If I tried to talk for more than a minute or two, I go, and I, if I was eating dinner, um, I would have to stop every five minutes because I couldn't keep chewing. Probably because you're eating crap. No, 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 not. And I really Fast don't eat food. crap. I really don't. No, I will eat what if I'm if I'm starving. I'll eat whatever's available, but I will prefer, I prefer vegetables, fruits, and seafood. I, I mean, always have, if because I can get it. I will say that it's really cute when you go to Bruce's house <clears throat> in his kitchen. I always, I, 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 we both share a common love of tea, and so every afternoon when I go to his house, I always tell him to, you know, put the kettle on, because I'm coming over, and we start our, our time together with making tea and pouring tea, and now love the lovely rock and roll Ruth has been in charge of that but i will say that under that tea table on the counter if you open the drawer there are all these little baby ziplocs full of all these little snack like trail mix snacks trail mix snacks which are healthy delayed adolescence well, uh, it's so cute you delayed. got your little snack well, packs well really you got juice boxes in that well, fridge too who really wants i think there are who really wants to be an adult when you think about it one of my cousins paid me a real compliment at one of our family we have a family reunion every summer my cousin Barbara said, um, and they all called me BC. My father's name was Bruce, and I was Bruce Cameron. So I was, my name was BC. And she said, they still call me BC. And um, she said, BC, of all my cousins, you're the only ones that's exactly the same. And you haven't changed at all. You're just as obnoxious and disgusting as you were as a, as a child. And I took that as a compliment. I mean, really. You you go by Bruce Cameron Elliott, but that was not your that was not always your name, correct? Well, I had to change my name a few times, obviously. Because Well, because Bruce is my name. Christ. Crime is my game, pussy's my fame. Yeah, I mean, it was my love of credit cards. <laughs> led me astray so you've had multiple identities yes yes but but of course I've reformed um you've reformed and I will say another thing that um we uh don't have in common is that we have a very very strong affinity for one particular well, baseball well, team. No, you and have, it's not a shared interest. You have the strong affinity for the Cubs. Now, I used to have a strong affinity for the White Sox. and uh, But since Jerry Reinsdorf, you know, um, bought the team, I loathe him. Not nearly as much as I loathe the owners of the Cubs. And um, I really, the, the Sox have been so, so mismanaged. I dislike the new stadium. But... My hatred for the Cubs is even more intense today than it was when I loved the White Sox with all my heart. Which is so dumb. Why are you so rooted in hate? Okay, let me explain. Let me explain how you really develop a, a, a lifelong intense hatred for, for, some, for an institution. 
when I was a little boy and I was 10, my Uncle Jerry, who was in the Army, he was a career Army guy, he took me to my first baseball game. It was the Cubs. And I, of course, brought my, brought my glove. And I had my, my Uncle Jerry bought me a Cub hat. So I've got a Cub hat. I've got my baseball glove. And I love baseball. I, knew, I memorized batting average of all. How old are you? Probably 10, 11. Right. So we're looking at 1950. 1950. Probably around that area. I, 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 I'm not exactly sure what, what the exact year was. So we go to the game. And the first inning, a foul ball, ball comes up. We had pretty good seats over on the first base side. And um, a kid catches a ball. He's about 10 rows from me. The kid is so excited. The kid is maybe a year or two older than I am. All of a sudden, one of these Gestapo-like Andy Frayne ushers, that they used to be. Now, if you go out there, they've got all these geriatrics out there. They don't have to pay anything to. But then, in those days, they had these, you know, like cop wannabe Gestapo people working as ushers. So one of them comes galloping up to the kid and snatches the ball away from him. So now all the fans are booing. They're throwing. P.K. Wrigley had just, the bubble gum, the chewing gum idiot, had just put in a rule that they were going to save money and they were going to take all the foul balls away from the fans. Now, just think of it from a PR standpoint, what, what an absolutely imbecilic move that was. But yeah, that was did. a bad move. Oh, it was a real bad Well, you wanted to get a kid to hate you? You just did it. They made a lifelong enemy. And so, of course, I did my research. Third last team in baseball to integrate. Um, and then they get the number one Uncle Tom in the history of baseball to be their first black player, Ernie Banks, who the dirty bastard died owing me 65 bucks from golf. And by the way, I'm not going to forgive that either. I did get a few death threats, though, when I wrote a really nasty blog about Because yeah, you don't Ernie. fuck with Ernie Banks. Oh, I do. Oh, I do. And by the way, on the south side, uh, the black people on the south side all knew who he was. He got away with that shit with the white people on the north side. Everybody knew what a rat bastard he was on the, on the south side. You're out of your mind. No, I'm out of my mind. I'm, I'm giving you facts. You're mean. Ernie was, a, he was, he, he would, he would stiff the kids. I don't mean. What do you mean he would stiff the kids? He would stiff the kid, the ca- the, uh, the caddies. Oh, uh, uh, okay, I understand, but yeah, I don't, I, I wasn't there to see it, so I don't believe it. Well, first you don't, but you're a Cub fan. We're going to have to pause for a minute while Bruce makes his Polish martini. No, we don't. I mean, just there's ice flying around, that's all. Um, no, Ernie was a bastard, but he was a perfect step and fetch it for the Cubs. He was a good player, I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, he was, he was a great player. Yeah, but he was also, and by the way, couldn't bear to win. He was. He had that that what? cub gene where you just do everything within your power to lose. Come on, he'd he'd wake up every morning and say, "I love baseball so much. Let's play too." And then let's go. No, he'd say, "Let's lose too." Moving on. Anyway, I brought this up because the Cub Sox series just happened. Yeah. And by the way, you have your boo hoo hoo story about hating the Cubs so much. Let me tell you mine about hating the Sox so much. We'll fast forward to 2005. Right when the White Sox are uh, in the midst of their championship series, and a innocent little 32-year-old pub crawl Liz is hanging out at one of her favorite Wrigleyville bars, watching the White Sox on the TV, 
cheering them on, root, root, rooting for all things Chicago. See, no, see, no Sox fan would ever cheer, cheered for the so- uh, Cubs. Yeah, because we're better than you guys. No, you're you're you're, you're losers. You you basic basic losers. Anyway, you don't care. I was root, root, rooting for Chicago, and I went to a couple same bar for the whole series, and it was the final game, and the White Sox win, and the whole bar north side. You know, steps from Wrigley Field. Pathetic. Is cheering, cheering, cheering. Pathetic, pathetic, pathetic. And uh, people run out of the bar and onto the street. And the people who ran out into the street, all they could say as they were sitting at a Wrigleyville bar, steps from the shadows of the majestic Wrigley Field was Cubs suck. Cubs suck. And at that moment, I thought, never again. Never oh. again. Well, the fact that it even entered your mind to root for the enemy just shocks but me. But they weren't the enemy. Of course they're not, the enemy. Not back then. You know, I, 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 I think it bears repeating the, how I explained to Anthony Bourdain the difference between a Cub fan and a Sox fan. A Cub, a Cub fan goes to the game. If they win, that's great. If they lose, who cares? And uh, that's it. They just, you know, do I have some beer? Do I get to... But a Sox fan, a perfect day for a Sox fan is for the Sox to win, the Cubs to lose, and then the Cubs' plane crash. There's a big difference between Cub fans and Sox fans. Yeah, you guys are assholes. And by by the way, it's interesting when you mention when the uh, Sox did win the World Series in 2005. um, The the Ale House was the only bar in in Old Town that was a White Sox bar. And the only reason we were a White Sox bar was because Arthur died. Arthur might not have even allowed the the Sox game to be on the TV here. But when Arthur died, because he was even more of a dumbass Cub fan than you are, and he... uh, But I turned the place in. At least all Sox fans knew that there'd be people rooting for the Sox here. And um, so... And then every night when they'd win, this place was packed. Andy Shaw would bring his whole family in, and uh, it pl- the place was absolutely pa- packed with Sox fans. And there'd be this huge. Andy Shaw's a Sox fan. Yeah. Oh, I thought I'm gonna have some. That's, I'm that, gonna have some serious words with him next time I see him. Uh, well, I'm sure he'll be tr- uh, trembling to hear this. Uh, yeah, Andy. Wherever you are. He's in Italy. Lake I, I, saw that, I saw that on Facebook. <laughs> He's in Lake Como. Seems to be enjoying He'll his retirement. He'll be retire- back by the time this airs. Andy, Andy, wherever you are. Enjoying his retirement. So um, anyway, and, and then when the Sox would win, the place was packed. I'd buy the house around. So we probably lost money every one of those nights. But um, it, was, uh, it was great. So I'll also say this. As we all know, the world revolves around Bruce. And now that he's moved to Hyde well, Park... There, no, no, wait. The intellectual world and creative world moves let me, let around. Me, let me continue. Now that he has moved to Hyde Park and he has me doing all kinds of stuff for him to help him out, I often require his presence in Old Town or at the bar or wherever, right? And his big, his big beef is traffic, of course, rush hour, because it takes him for a long time. Which, well, if I come early, it's which, not bad which, if which I Which, whenever come. I go to your house, traffic is seemingly no, yeah, not an issue. Only because you can't uh, handle your time. I mean, I pick perfect times to come over at 1 o'clock. There's anyway. no goddamn cars. I'll be there, but you'd use Mexican time. You know what Mexican time is? Late. If you say 1 o'clock, <laughs> that means it's 5.30. By the way. By the way that, that's Mexican time. Mexican time 
is also gay time, and I've been uh, blessed with both. So that gives me double excuse. Double, double. I'd, I'm, I've known dykes that would show up on time. By the way, did you, ever, you ever hear Lenny Bruce graces our wall because he was a huge fan of Arthur's. Loved Arthur when Arthur was bartending. And um, you remember what he said? I never met a dyke I didn't like. I back loved, to the I Cubs. Lo- I loved back Lenny to the Bruce. Cubs. He was great. Yeah, back to the Cubs. So here we are. Jordan, who we miraculously found our executive producer because otherwise this podcast would not be happening because I don't know how to do this shit. Well, that became very obvious very quickly. Right. So, magically, you know, people will have jobs, and I've got shit to do, so we have to record in the evenings. And we have to make sure that the Cubs aren't playing, because otherwise you could have a hissy fit with yeah, traffic. Yeah, because, because now, here's, the Cubs game starts, what time they start? 7.05. Okay. So, if I leave Hyde Park at 7.00. The asshole Cub fans are still polluting the outer drive at like a quarter to eight. The assholes, they show up late, they leave early. When I was a kid, now I spent many, many a day out at Wrigley Field. When I was a kid, I'd go out and watch batting. I'd watch Stan Musial, Willie Mays, or you'd go out and watch Sandy Kovacs pitch. I mean, but you go first out of all, watch, first of all, first of all, first of all, batting practice. I understand that, but it's also a different generation. Now you can watch all this shit on. No, you can't go out and watch it on take batting. You have practice. access to a lot more things, which is people become people have become lazy. But that's a whole other thing. Secondly, the diehard Cub fans will stay from bullshit before first pitch bullshit. to the very end. Bullshit. Well, die. Oh, you're right. You're diehard fans, which are about yeah. eleven. The rest, the anyway, rest of them are little yuppie, yuppie fuck faces. I concur there's a lot of those douchebags out there, and I wish there weren't, but that's not going to change my love for the team, my love for the organization, my love for the game. Your love for the, for the neo-Nazi owner? Anyway, so as Bruce, I'm trying to, you know, finesse um, the schedule of someone who doesn't have a job to make sure that we can do this. I have a job. Oh, let's see. <laughs> Writing... One amazing book after another, painting hundreds and hundreds of paintings where people come from all over the goddamn world to see. No, that's right. I forgot. I don't do anything. You know what? The, the most interesting, when Anthony Bourdain first walked in here, you know what he said after he shook my hand and looked around? My God, you're a real workaholic. <laughs> <laughs> I said, he fooled you know him. I said, you know what? In my entire life, nobody's ever even hinted that I was... <laughs> That's hilarious. Well, you know, I mean, because... You should have gotten that one on tape. Uh, yeah, that would have been good. <laughs> I wish, Yeah. You know, because in 1950... I graduated from high school in 1958, and I was the first person in our class to retire, because I retired the day we graduated. I knew that I was not cut out for the work world. And, it's, you know, I have my instagrams, and there's another. I, I'm, I'm work-phobic. I mean, it's, you know, you're, some people are claustrophobic. and But, yeah, I just wasn't cut out for everyday work day. Your, uh, we just sent your third book uh, for publication. California Jailbreak. But I think you're for my your... My best f- one so far. But I think for your fourth book, that should be the forward. What, what's that? <laughs> Anthony's... 
quote of I've, my, never, my work, well, I've never met such a workaholic. Well, I, or, yeah. or you're such a workaholic, whatever it yeah. is. And I said to him, that is hilarious. I That's, said, I said, Jesus, you've written about four or five books. You've got about 10 TV shows. And I'm the workaholic? And so he tells me, he says, it was all by chance. He said, if I had not, had I not written that book, I would have just been another stoner. Uh, it, no, this guy, when, when he was down the last time, he's every morning he's over there uh, karate chopping 20-year-old kids. <laughs> and then he's doing a TV show. I mean, God, look at the guy. He's, you know, he's, there's no fan on the guy. He's, he's got a strong work ethic. I like yeah, that. But I like he, that. Yeah, but he tries to present himself as a stoner. Well, once upon a time. Well, I guess he was a naughty know, People boy. change. Yeah. Different priorities. True. Um, back to the Cub socks real quick because I want to really kind of demonstrate the kind of relationship we have, I guess. So I, myself, and Jordan go out of our way to adjust to your schedule and I make sure that the what Cubs are aren't playing. About? What are you talking about? Can I just finish about? the goddamn story? Yeah, but I mean, I, may, I, I can do this. I mean, not You want to do this time. by yourself? Well, of course. Yeah. I'll read a book on it. <laughs> um, I think, I'll think all the podcast stuff is online. All right, back to my schedule. That you're, that, that I'm so I go, we go out of, your, out of our ways to make sure we adjust to your schedule and make sure we don't do it on Cubs nights. And as we were planning this recording for tonight, I said, there's no Cubs game. There's no Cubs game. There's no Cubs game because they are in Atlanta. And I flew down here. I zipped right down the other side. So last night, Bruce can't seem to understand the concept of text messaging, but he certainly knows how to Facebook message. So this is how we communicate. By the way, they're messing with me again. (laughs) Last night, I send him a message that says, Genius, please confirm that I'll see you at the bar tomorrow night to record our podcast. He replies, Yes and yes. Are the fucking Cubs playing tomorrow night? And I said, no. I already told you. They are in Atlanta. Pay attention. And you wrote, they were here yesterday. Their disgusting fans cluttered up the drive. Peace and love. Genius. That was a makeup game, so it was a fluke. By the way, remember that I was one of the disgusting fans out there. I remember you were one of the disgusting fans. And then he'll go on to talk about how I didn't do what he needed me to do that day. All I'm saying is, I don't think I deserve such abuse because I'm a Cub fan and I'm your friend. That's all I'm going to say. Oh, boo-hoo. Look at the tears rolling down my cheeks. (laughs) By the way, I want to tell you why why they... they, Here's what Facebook did to me this time. And Ruth saw it. Ruth watched this shit in action. So they announced that Melania Trunk... Trump has got a bleeding kidney or some something. That's what they're. That's what they're. The, the phony explanation. So I. So I get. I do one of those naked pictures of her that you can get all over the place. So I post a naked picture and I said, the word I'm hearing out of Walter Reed Hospital is it's a serious. It's one of those really hard to treat cases of the clap. Boom! They nail me. But now what they do. They freeze me, and then they make me, I got to put in a new goddamn, they said that was, I mean, I didn't take the fucking picture of her showing her pussy, right? 
that was out there before I ever did it. So I'm getting blamed for Melania Trump showing her snatch. Well, okay. But then they make me put in new numbers and this, and I have to read this fucking code saying we must not. Now, this is all because of um, the Russians pulling shit. Now I'm getting blamed for the Russians. Now, I told Fuckerberg that if he kept fucking with me the way he was, and I've had my over 50, bad things are going to happen to you, asshole. And did you see that little guy squirm when they were... um, interrogating him at that Senate hearing. Yeah, so he's paying a price. I, perhaps he... I can't believe he's fucking with me again. This is probably a good time for my uh, my regularly scheduled... Bruce's opinions are not reflective of my own comment. Oh, you love Fuckerberg? I just... You're a big Fuckerberg fan? I actually want to deactivate my Facebook account, but I can't because that means you won't be able to messenger me. No, you don't need to deactivate just because you're having some little lesbian oh my bullshit God. going on. Also, I, you get so upset about Facebook. Well, what? I don't like being exploited. What? Why do you? Why are you so addicted to it? Because, as I've explained to people, in the old days, I mean, I have to work hard to piss off 10, 12 people a night in the bar. Now, I can piss off 10, 1,200 a day. Why, Without why, even leaving my goddamn house. Why is that your mo? Because it's 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 therapeutic for me. This has been the narrative for tonight's no. podcast. The, the, You're uh, a mean person sometimes. No, I'm the vigilante. I'm the one that has to take care of the things that other people don't want to take care of. There's a lot of evil, and the vigilante is there to take care of it. This is why you hate the Cubs so much, because. You're vigilante against the evil baseball team? Well, first of all, let me just say the name Todd Ricketts, the chairman, the finance chairman of the Republican Party. By the way... Need I say more? By the way, I love Buzzkill. He's a great guy. I really kind of enjoy when he's around, which is rare, and we can drink together. Buzzkill, for those of you who don't know, is a alehouse regular, and he writes the Sunday blogs for Bruce's blog. Um, Buzzkill was also on the Bourdain episode for this Cub Sox commentary, and I gotta say, I'm really disappointed by his performance. Well, first of all, he doesn't have the hate. He doesn't hate the Sox. Cub fans don't hate. But that's the problem. They ought to learn. <laughs> that's not learn. the problem. I'm just saying he could have defended us a when, lot better, when the, though. When the Sox fuck up, I hate them. I hate their owner. I hate, and I attack. I mean, I do appreciate the fact that your do. hate isn't towards just for the Cubs. It's, you actually hate the Sox, too, when they fuck well, up. When they fuck up. Yeah. I appreciate that, at least. All right. Well, I don't, I don't know. There's a, lot of, I don't, there's a lot of negative energy, and I don't like that. Well, I do. This is why I have to talk to Ruth about the energies and the horoscopes and the... Well, she, she's, she's very good at, at abating the negative energy. She's a very positive influence around us all. She is a positive influence. Maybe you should learn from Ruth a little bit more. Um, well, I think the, there's, there's, there's a possibility that she'll learn from me and she'll be, all of a sudden become filled there, with hate. There is no fucking way it's that possible. Ruth will ever turn into any sort of version it's of, my, it's of my, a, it's hating It's my dream. You. At least I can dream. <laughs> it's a dream. I wish my girlfriend was mean. What the hell wishes that? You're an animal. A, um, a genius animal. 
Um, um, speaking of animal, cougar, let me tell you. For those of you who don't know, cougar is a regular at this bar. What, give us a little kind of quick little history about the cougar. Well, the cougar, you've got to be careful here because um, let me just put it this way. Cougars had a very wild life. She, she's, she grew up in shithole shit um, Elkhart, Indiana. And um, it's amazing she just didn't show up in Chicago wearing a KKK outfit. But she did. Anyway, but she's been an amazingly successful businesswoman. And, um, which yeah, she's a, she's a hot little number, too. Yeah, she's like 62 and she's still hot. Yeah. 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 So the re- I gave her the nickname Cougar because she prefers young, younger guys than really super stud older guys like me. And so um, obviously that, that sets off a lot of alarm bells. But um, we really, <laughs> she's really very hard to uh, spend a great deal of time with because um, I wouldn't just say she's an egomaniac and self-centered but um, she's, she's a Republican well she's a straight narcissist yeah she's a narcissistic Republican what, what more can you say but she's got a very good sense of humor and she's a good sport she which is. saves her that saves her but she also I don't think she's genuinely horny but I think she needs to think she's horny um, for that's an interesting concept yeah think I yeah, think you need to be horny. But she once described her vagina as a gravel pit. <laughs> you know. If she if she described it as such. Well, because, you know, I mean, the, the age thing. If she described it as such in public or to you, expressed it verbally, yeah. Yeah. then how does that go with the whole idea of her thinking she needs to want sex? Did you ever hear, be horny uh, or what? Did you ever hear of KY jelly? <laughs> yes. Yeah. What else does she need? Some KY jelly and she's in business. Okay. So anyway, the cougar. Yeah. Whom we've also come to know as the cougs. Well, you call her a cougar. I do, I the cougs. Her, I call her a cougar. So, anyway, she, she's, she's a real character. She's a fun character. and um, But she, she does have a temper. And if you push her too far, she will, she will attack. I've never seen the side of her. Oh, I could do that for you in, in seconds. I don't, I don't. That's that mean thing again. I don't want to see Is that. Is that mean? I don't do it. Why can't I, I we just, just drink and laugh it. and have a good I'm time? I'm just saying I could do it. It's, it's within my power to piss her off very quickly. But anyway, um, so anyway, that's that's how we describe the cougar. She's a hottie, a 62-year-old hottie, and she's got right now. She's um, having sex with a guy named Boner Boy, who's I think he's 42. And Boner yeah. Boy has a young, a young twenty-year-old girlfriend or something like that. So it's a little. It's a real triangle. It's a real triangle. A real fucked-up triangle. But she's handling it pretty well. But she's a very successful businesswoman. Yeah. Um, she's a nice lady. Very bad taste of men. Um, I agree. I she agree. She always, when she gets really involved with men, she ends up losing money. So that's a bad sign. So anyway, you saw her somewhere. So I um, enjoy eating at a restaurant down the street because they have really good food. Um, and uh, I was there a couple of times having dinner, and there's always a cougar sighting. 
because she happens to love this restaurant too. And uh, I was there just last week with uh, Goat Girl, and it was late, and I was just starving and just wanted to, like, you know, pop into the bar and have a just belly up to the bar and have a quick meal, quick bowl of pasta, and leave. And of course, the bar is full of all these Viagra Triangle douchebags, female and male, and taking up the whole bar, you know, being loud as hell. And we walk in and we see the Cougs and Lucy, her pal, and uh, say hi. And I was like, oh, we're starving. Got to go. I got to go straight to the bar. Don't find a spot at the bar, but they find a spot for us next to the bar. Have our meal. Probably there for a good 45 minutes. Walk out. And this is also like the, the, the restaurant technically closes at 10 p.m. And we were walking out maybe like at 1030 feeling bad that we were there past closing time because you know these people want to go home anyway so we're walking past the main bar and then as you exit there's another bar before you go to the actual door and again let me remind you then we walked in and we saw Cougar and Lucy throwing back maybe like a drink saying oh hey how are you oh yeah we're just gonna have a couple and probably leave so if you see us on the way out say hi we might not be here though and so 45 minutes later, we walk out, and Cougar and Lucy and, like, seven of their girlfriends who they were there with are, like, standing on the bar, dancing like they're college girls. Standing on the bar? Co- like, college girls swinging each other around in the middle of the floor. It was seriously, like, I felt like I was back at U of I, Champagne, and it was, like, sorority night, senior year, and the ladies were getting wild. And I was just like, whoa, Cougar. I think it's like Wednesday night. And she was a maniac. And this is why I love the Cougs. Well, yeah. I mean, and also, that's quite a sight. Seven matronly women. Yeah, I think it was seven. I don't know. It was, it was, it was weird. It was like girls gone wild. Wow. Mm-hmm. No, she's, she's, she's quite, quite amazing. Yeah. I appreciate the Cougs. Well, I so that's well, my, we, we that's all That's my Cougar sighting. Well, she's a genuine character. And, you, you know... And really, like, another genuine character just walked in, Ukraine Mike, I just saw, after his baby mama went back to Ukraine, uh, I think, earlier today. And, you know, <laughs> she's, these she's, are controversial people because not every they're not universally loved, but they're loved by me because they're characters. I like how he's he's putting in her, as he's closing the door to the cab to, to send her off to the airport, he's probably hailing another one to get to the bar. <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> Um, yeah, anyway, so that's my cougar sighting for the week. I'm sure every week I'll have a cougar sighting. I'm excited to share that with you. And I think she'll have to be a guest on one of our shows one of these days. I, I, I think she'd be a great guest, but I'm not sure she, you know, she, she, she talks a big game. But when it comes right down to the nitty-gritty, like she was supposed to write a blog and she never did. And she's supposed to, but, um, well, she's certainly welcome. Yeah, I think, I think, I think we'll see what happens. Um... Let's wrap up with the fact that, you know, this podcast is probably going to go viral. Oh, no, no question about that. Yeah, it's going to go it's going to be mad and we're probably going to have oh. to fight off the sponsors that come our way. Well, we've already been approached. Yeah, tell us more about that. Well, um the um Stormy Daniels Fan Club Chicago or Midwest Stormy Daniels Fan Club is talking we're negotiating. They want to do a little advertising. They're going to do um some what the hell does that advertising look like? 
Well, I mean, we've just, we're in the discussion stages now, and they'd like to have an event here. And hopefully, when Stormy's going to be in town, I think, in a month or so, and I told them it'd be great. I said, we'd give them, like, two or three months free advertising if they could bring Stormy in, and we'd have a little get to interview her. So that would be fun. So um, the Stormy Daniels Fan Club. And then we've got an interesting... Um, the North Side, or is it the Gold Coast? I think it's the Gold Coast Swingers, which is a group of middle-aged swingers, are also interested in advertising. They apparently they go through a lot of uh, there's a lot of um, dropouts after swinging, <laughs> and uh, I was going to go to one of their swinging events last uh, I think it was last Friday, and Rock and Roll Roo said under no circumstances. I didn't know you were a swinger. Well, I'm I'm. Not, you, well, I mean, I, I'm kind of a go, I'm kind of a go with the flow guy. Yeah, you know, yeah. And she said no. She put the kibosh yeah, on it. Put her foot down. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I well, don't blame uh, her. Uh, uh, I mean, the women didn't look that hot. The ones I saw, anyway. So that is on the 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 radar. But, Gold yeah. Coast Swingers sponsors. I'm again, tell you, I, what does I that, that look like? Bad. The women were hot, and I'd love to have them as sponsors. <laughs> what does that sponsorship look like? Again, I don't understand well, these. I, you know, I'm a creative guy. I can figure out their, you know, help them with their ads. You know, they would, you know, do you want to become a member of the uh, Gold Coast Swingers? And That's then, really creative. Oh, yeah. <laughs> you, you like sex? Do you like sex with lots of different people? Do you mind people watching or you watching? I mean, it's just, we, can make, we can make this work. I, 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 I believe in you. I mean, remember what Woody Allen said. Remember who he is, don't you? Yes. He was. I remember he was hosting the um, he was hosting the uh, Tonight Show once, and I remember he said this. I really thought that was really uh, brilliantly put. He said the next best thing to, to sex between two people is sex between three people. On that note, let's uh, conclude this week's show. I would like to thank. Uh, Jordan Stalling, our executive producer, because without Jordan, we really would not be here at all. I guarantee you that 100%. And he's taking care of all of the technological nitty-gritty for us. And we've got uh, the assistant producer here, Rock and Roll Ruth, who rock and rolls for us every bit she can. Literally, she does. Yes. I've been to a couple of rock and roll concerts with her, including Paul McCartney, and that girl gets down and crazy. She does the same thing in the kitchen. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah, she does. I saw that, too. Yep. Um, and uh, I'd like to thank the listeners, of course, for hanging out with us. And Genius, any last words of wisdom for everyone out there? Uh, yeah, I just I get better and better every week. No telling where this is going to end. All right. I'm, an, I'm amazed by my... You know, my Unbelievable wit and charm. You amaze me every day. Thank you. Thanks for listening.